When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. Dayton is a loser in Las Vegas to UNLV. They take a tough one out there. I got Drew with me for the rapid reaction. We recorded this starting just before the clock hit zero on Dayton's game against UNLV. So if you're listening to us on 1410 ESPN Radio or on the podcast feed, wherever that may be, morning, noon, or night, I'm talking out loud, L-O-W-D, welcome in for a full hour of rapid reaction, and we're doing it. Dayton just lost literally moments ago to UNLV in Las Vegas to Thomas and Mack Center, and we are breaking down the action for you, our fair listener. Drew joins me on the other side here on this podcast, and uh, it was it was disheartening. It was sullen. We are downtrodden, but again, we're recording 1.20 a.m. Eastern time when this game ended. Final score, UNLV 60, Dayton 52, a game where Dayton scored 20 points in the second half, and Drew, dare I say, this was a game where everything that could have gone wrong did in fact go wrong. Yep, everything went wrong in that second half. Uh, You know, didn't play your best ball in the first, but you still held a 10-point lead, closed out the half well to get to that 10-point lead, and then... Second half, you know, even early second half, it started okay. And then the wheels fell off in in tremendous fashion. And from there, it was a comedy of errors for the rest of the half. And what ultimately led to a a no good, rotten performance in the second half out there uh, in the desert. And, you know, they're going to be coming home, licking their wounds for uh, an embarrassing loss. Yeah, this is going to be a long flight home for the Dayton Flyers. Now dropping to two and one before coming home for Robert Morris on Saturday afternoon. A get-right game, if there ever was one, Drew, back in the arena before they head out to the Bahamas uh, for that Wednesday game against Wisconsin. Love that, getting ready for the holiday. But, Drew, we can start there for the evening. Uh, If they play like they did tonight against Wisconsin, they're going to get beat by a lot. But with that in mind... Dayton had, it, like I said, um, there's plenty of blame to throw around tonight. And if you're just listening to us in the morning and you didn't watch the game at all, really what this comes down to tonight and where we can open up the show for conversation is that this was a night where pretty much everything that could have gone wrong did for the Dayton Flyers one time or another. Uh, Malachi Smith not playing. Kobe Brea did play, came into the game, and immediately 
touch the ball three times and turn them over on two of those plays. He finished the game with 25 points, or sorry, 25 minutes, six points wish he had on points. two of eight shooting, and two of seven of those came from downtown. The shots that he made were kind of timely. They were they were nice shots. Obviously, they were from deep. Uh, he didn't really make an impact. If anything, he showed his rust, finished with three turnovers after the two initial ones. Uh, he really just wasn't an impact player. I think you can chalk it up to him you know, shaking off the rust. You have to get him back into a game. You wish you could have gotten him back into one of the first two games. For whatever reason, whatever was ailing him, that didn't happen. Second thing, Mustafa Amzil absolutely just took the night off. Um, he was back to the Amzil that everybody complains about on Twitter. Uh, he got blown by defensively. He was careless with the basketball. He was a liability on offense most of the time. Took a lot of bad shots. His only points scored were from the free throw line. He finished with three points, 34 minutes played. I understand uh, Moose Amzil is playing out of necessity right now in the starting lineup and getting those 34 minutes because Malachi Smith is out largely, but can't have a contribution from him like that. 34 minutes and three points, you're going to lose to most teams out there. And I think a lot of people did some defending of Amzil uh, after his, uh, let's call them breakout performances, especially against SMU. I think. That was probably his best game in a Dayton uniform. And you thought to yourself, well, wow, we get that Amzil. Look out. This team could really be special. Unfortunately, he kind of reverted back to the guy he was last year. And you're starting to think to yourself, well, maybe we're just going to have another season of Amzil breaking out maybe once every five, six games. Then he's going to go back to what he did for us this evening. So then that leads me to... Deron Holmes uh, lands on a guy's ankle in the second half. So then Zimmy comes in, give him a breather, normal breather. That's always what happens, right? And then Zimmy gets hit in the face, and he has blood dripping down his nose, and he's got to come out. So guess what? Rich Amafule gets his first minutes of the year. He logged two minutes in this exact stretch. And to say that he was a liability is even putting it generously. Rich Amafule was a very bright spot that said, attack me. <laughs> and UNLV attacked him. Uh, in the two minutes that he was in the game, uh, he committed a foul. He took a really bad shot going to the rim. And frankly, in those, you hate to say in a two-minute window like this, but you could see why there is hesitancy for him to get minutes on this team. Additionally, the Flyers were absolutely outstanding on the boards in the first half. And then in the second half, uh, Tamani Kamara. Well, I think, Drew, did Kamara go down in the first half or the second half? I believe so, it was the first half. Really. So it was the first half. There was a play There was a play where we threw an outlet pass to him, and he caught it, and he ended up traveling. And I, okay, I yeah. saw him like kind of reaching down at his knee, but he stayed in the game for the remainder of the half. And then, so I just assumed it was just kind of a stiffened up a little bit on him. And I don't know if when he went into the locker room, it did stiffen up on him and they didn't want to risk, you know, further injury considering how injury depleted we are at the moment. But, you know, when you see your team getting annihilated like that in the second half and you like, I don't want to, I don't want this to come off as I'm like, as I think he's not actually injured because that's not what I'm saying, but. Like, man, if you, you really can't go, and so that's frustrating. But when guys go down, other guys got to step up, and that just that just did not happen. Um, we didn't get that from any other area of the floor. Um, the rebounding went downhill in the second half because credit to UNLV, they did a good job of adjusting, and they started pulling Holmes out when we ran that one three one defense, and nobody else, you know, particularly had an interest in rebounding the basketball, and it ultimately led – to the Flyers' downfall. It did. And so, you know, to recap really what went down in the first half, you, you had really Dayton played a, a good first half, but um, Amzil had a really bad night. Brea had a really bad night. Amafile had to go into the game. He was a liability. Zimmy only played four minutes. He barely got off the bench in a game that he probably should have played more. Tamani Kamara goes down with a knee injury. Deron Holmes comes back in. 
uh, after twisting his ankle. Clearly, on clearly else. not right, too. Clearly and, not right. And he was, he was not right. He was held to two points in the first half, came out in the second half and dropped a goose egg. Um, you know, Drew, when you're the star of the team and, and when you're the guy, right, you're the dude, you're going to get a lot of attention. Uh, and, and it goes for anything. It goes, you know, for high school basketball, college basketball, pro basketball, what have you. Last year, nobody knew about Theron Holmes. And that's it's not a knock. Nobody knew who he was. This year, he's getting a lot of hype. You've seen it. I've seen it. I've shared it on social media. You, you've, you've shared it on social media. Getting picked up by national outlets, you know, um, and everybody's talking about him going to the draft, whatnot. Well, guess what? Other teams see that. They know that. They know that 15 is the guy you got to guard. And frankly, when Malachi Smith is out of the game, 15 is the only guy you got to guard. He's the only guy that you really need to take out of the game plan. And early on tonight, for all of those who didn't watch the game, the game plan from UNLV was quite simple. They're going to take 15 out of the game. And when he gets the ball in the post, you double him, you triple him, you make sure that he's not going up to the rim, it's going back out. In the first half, it worked out uh, for UD, frankly. They were getting a lot of open looks. Most of those were in transition, uh, and they were knocking down shots. The three-point ball was flowing early, and that was why Dayton jumped out to such a, a good lead. They were 7 of 13 early in that first half, and it just felt like they were hitting everything because – they were going to collapse in the middle, so kick it back out. I mean, that was always in 2020 how Dayton was going to be effective on the offensive end. But now that the, the game plan is to take Duran out of the equation, we, he's going to have to find ways to combat that, and, and tonight just wasn't that night. Um, I think, Drew, the key to the game for UNLV, aside from the injuries and the obvious, was that the game plan was to take Duran out of it and frankly, I, I think they succeeded in doing that. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, a lot of ball pressure out there. They always had another guy hovering around Duran uh, while he was being guarded on the block. And, you know, if, if he touched the ball, they were sending a double. They were going to get it out of his hands right away. And they thought they did a good job. And, you know, the more and more I watched tonight, the more and more it exposed the lack of a, of a true point guard on the floor for Dayton. They got away with Absolutely. it the first two games, but... They didn't get away with it tonight. Only seven assists for the game, uh, twenty-three turnovers. You know that's that's a horrendous uh, ratio there. That's something you just you never want. Um, but yeah, it's it's frustrating, and you know you gotta you gotta find ways around it when your best player isn't going. You you gotta you gotta change some things up, and you gotta figure out a different way to to get some easy ones. And if guys are gonna keep playing you that tight on the perimeter, and they got two guys around to run. You got to figure out a way to get to the hole. You know, Kobe, the two Kobe's, they're good shooters. They're not great shooters. Maybe Brea more so than Elvis when he's, you know, healthy and, you know, fully ready to go. But they're not great shooters. So you need to find a way to get to the basket, get to the free throw line. A lot of their guys were in foul trouble. We just, it didn't seem like we got many good looks at the rim tonight. Felt like we settled for a lot of jumpers, whether they were open or contested. You know, either way, neither of them, neither of those went in anyway. So, um, you know, it's one. But the thing is, it, we lost. It sucks. But it's not the end of the world. People that are, like, saying the season's over don't because it's just one game. You're going to move on. You get to play again on Saturday. And you just got to move forward. You got to eat it. You got to own it. It was a collective failure of everybody from the coaching staff to the players. They know that as well as us. So you got to move forward, get your mind right for Friday, and then you got to really get ready to go um, when you head down to the Bahamas. That's exactly right. Bahamas is looming on Wednesday, so it'll be you know quick uh, quick flight home. You got game Saturday, and then quick flight back out to go to the Bahamas. But point well taken, Drew, and I think that is really um, the summary here in the first segment of, of what we saw tonight. And what transpired was that this was a this was a team debacle. Um, I think there will be people online, you know, blaming Anthony Grant for it. There will be people online, you know, when they see the box score in the morning, blaming Amzil or blaming Duran. And, and frankly, this was a team failure. I find it quite hard to blame Anthony Grant in moments like this, but I can also recognize the fact that when the boys are back against it and people go down and the game plan needs shifted. And 
you need to change your identity in game or you need to do something creative to change the momentum or how you're attacking or even how you're defending. Anthony Grant's not the guy I'm going to look, look to for that. He's just not. I could point to years worth of evidence to this point, but this was one of those nights. The Flyers didn't have their best. They had injuries They were without their starting point guard. Their best rebounder goes down with a knee injury. They got to go deep into the bench. UNLV is taking away their best player. Shots aren't falling in the second half. Then they're getting out-rebounded because their best rebounder is out. Again, that's just not a game where I'm going to say, okay, I trust that AEG is going to get us out of this and change the game plan so that we can attack a different way. And – Again, I started the point by saying, like, I'm not blaming Anthony Grant for this. He's just not the type of coach I'm going to look to for that kind of result. You know, Anthony Grant's the guy that built the 2020 team that said, here's the offense we're going to run. And by and large, that team didn't get hurt. They were who they were. They didn't have to battle through adversity. They didn't have close games. They didn't, besides uh, what, St. Louis, Kansas, and, and maybe a couple others, I mean, they really didn't fight through a lot of adversity, and when they had to, you left your best five on the floor because Dayton's best five was better than the other team's best five pretty much every night that season. So I bring that up as an example because tonight is not that way. The five that Dayton rolled out initially I thought had more talent, but once you take down Kamara, uh, Mike played with a little bit of foul trouble in the second half. Again, I, I went through kind of the things that went wrong. But once all those things go wrong, the, the tables turn. And, and again, I just I don't trust that Grant can turn them back in our favor on nights like this. I trust that he can build a good offense for this team. I trust that we're going in the right direction this season. I trust that this will be a speed bump. But tonight, late, almost 2 in the morning, delivering this radio show to you, I'm telling you that that's not what – Anthony Grant saving us and pulling this game out of the fire with a great game plan and creativity was not my expectation when things started to go wrong tonight. UNLV had an 11-0 run. He just let him play through it. Uh, The Flyers' offense looked lifeless the whole second half. They finished with 20 points in the entire second half. I, I believe there was a stretch there where they were up 37 to 25 with 16 minutes to go. And with one minute left, Dayton was down 60 to 48. So if you're doing the quick math, they got outscored 35 to 9 over those 15 minutes. And by the time, you know, AG took his final timeout, the game was well, well, well in hand. And I'm just, I'll sit here and finish the segment and saying that I wish those things would change. I wish we'd be more proactive about stopping the 11 0 run that got UNLV back into the game. I wish we would stop the run that put them up by six. Uh, Kobe Brea had a three, and then AG immediately called a timeout, but we're already down by three at that point. It's almost too late. So it it just, again, feels like when things go wrong, AG's going to retroactively stop the play. Okay, well, uh, the last five minutes went wrong. Let's see what we can do moving forward. And um, that wouldn't be my approach. And so, like I said, things went wrong tonight. Things are probably going to go wrong in the season when we don't have Kamara and Malachi on the court and Duran's playing at maybe 50-70%. Um, but tonight was the perfect storm, and, and Dayton paid for it. They're coming home 2-1 and one after an eight-point defeat to UNLV at the Thomas & Mack Center in Las Vegas. We'll be right back after a quick break. Just talking out loud on 1410 ESPN Radio. Welcome back from the short break. Uh, still talking out loud. Rapid reaction. Sully and Drew coming to you late, late, late. 1.36 Eastern time. If you're listening to us on ESPN Radio in Dayton, we thank you. 14.10 AM is where you can find us or talking out L-O-W-D on your podcast feed. Dayton a loser. 60-52 at the Thomas and Mack Center. They fall to 2-1 and one before taking on Robert Morris on Saturday. I'm here with Drew to recap the carnage of a night when pretty much everything went wrong. But it wasn't always that way, Drew. I think before we go and talk about all the doom and gloom in the second half, 
if you let's say that we we do the second segment only on the things that happened in the first half, uh, the Flyers played pretty well in the first half, to be honest with you, right? Yeah, they did. And that was what made the second half so disheartening. But uh, I thought they looked pretty good. You know, they they were getting good looks at the rim. They were, you know, running the offense effectively. We had a couple of lulls there in the first half. But when we did hit a, when we did hit a lull, we would come out of it and put ourselves back into a position to extend the lead. Um, and, you know, losing again, losing Tamani Kamara really hurt. He was a menace on the glass early. Uh, in that first half, that he was, UNLV yeah, he was incredible. Nothing, UNLV had nothing for him uh, down there, and also, you know, defensively, he he played an extremely well on the defensive end. You know, not even including the rebounding, just being that presence under the rim alongside Duran. And you know, Mike, uh, another good night for him, four or six from the field, all of those three pointers. Um, one thing he's battled here in this first two games, he needs to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, yeah. Second, Second game yeah. now, he's been in foul trouble. But that's, you know, that'll come with learning and, and playing the game and being smart. Um, but so, you know, if there was anybody who I felt like got a, gets a pass for tonight, it's Mike. Um, and yeah, yeah because it, he, he shouldn't he shouldn't have to play this big of a role right out of the game. Right. He, he shouldn't. Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, for, for a freshman to be arguably your – actually, there's no arguably about it. He was our best player on the floor tonight. Um, you know, that's – it's not necessarily a recipe for success. I don't care how good the freshman is. Um, the bench production tonight was deplorable. We talked about Amzel. You know, Brandon it was non-existent. Let's be yeah. honest. And you know, Zimmy and Amafale. It, it just it wasn't very good. Um, but the first half, you know, it, it, things looked good, and all you had to do was clean some things up and keep doing what you were doing. You could have cruised to a, a, a relatively easy victory. We're going back to Dayton three and zero, but uh, obviously that was. Uh, not the case, and my dad always says the most worthless stat in sports is the halftime score, and that's pretty evident tonight. Yeah, it absolutely was. Dayton went into the half up 10, 32-22. Um, my thoughts at the half were that they were committing too many unforced errors. They were relying on the three. They weren't getting the ball down to Duran, but that was kind of by design. They were taking what UNL gave them, UNLV gave them, which, okay, fine. You know, no big deal. Um, the turnovers were concerning, but again, your best player's not playing well, and you're turning the ball over, and you're still up 10 at halftime. I think anyone could agree that is a pretty favorable outcome in the first half, and frankly, all the intangibles were there. They were getting out in transition. They had good spacing in that transition to open up open shots. Uh, the threes were falling. I think their first three buckets of the game uh, were three-pointers. Kamara had a huge dunk on a follow-up uh, right there afterwards, and they were just dominating the glass. Three offensive rebounds that led to six points early, and then they had another one right there after. There was four offensive rebounds, I believe, in the first like eight minutes. I mean, it, it was one of those performances out of the gate when you were like holy heck like who is this Dayton team rebounding cleaning the glass getting putbacks um that was the the most surprising thing to me it was that they were dominating the glass early and of course Drew uh in that same breath it would not be a Dayton Flyers game if we didn't go to the TV feed late and uh, for all you who watch on television which is most of most of you out there, unless you just missed the game and you're listening to the podcast, the I will remember this for the rest of my life, Drew. Do you remember what time the Dayton game actually went on television Eastern? I believe it was 1134. It was 1132. And then wow. they they played one. OK, this is the best part of this. It was 1132. They went to the Dayton game because St. Louis and Memphis beforehand on CBS Sports Network ran long. And then they showed like one play, maybe two plays, and it was the 12 minute timeout, and they went back to commercial. So <laughs> the St. Louis Memphis game ends. They're like, okay, we'll get you out to Las Vegas, Dayton and UNLV after this commercial break. And they take you to commercial, they bring you to Las Vegas. You see like two sequences back to commercial. It was like straight out of the NFL playbook, man. You know, just like, touchdown commercial kickoff commercial it, it felt like that all over again and uh that's how you know it's Dayton basketball season baby we get that secondary yeah. you know that yep. secondary nothing treat. like 
that's the thing. Like nothing, nothing. Like the game aside, all of the extracurriculars surrounding tonight's game, just perfectly Dayton. It perfect. was like, that, it an was. eleven, like an eleven ten Eastern like start. They pushed the, the tip back, it, running yeah. long. Like St. Louis has that game in hand. They're up like fifteen <laughs> with four minutes to go, and they start melting away. I thought, like, I thought for sure the only thing that would have put the cherry on top is if that game would have went to overtime, which I really oh thought God. that's where we were heading. I, I thought that St. Louis Memphis would go to overtime just to spite us, just because the cup, the Archbaron Cup, is that important exactly. to St. Louis. I thought they would spite us. But they didn't. The game goes on television at eleven thirty-four after a couple quick commercial breaks. Um, I, I just, it, it was just everything about this game was absolutely ridiculous. I hope we never have to play one this late again. Frankly, for the fact that you know we don't want to be podcasting until two in the morning. But here we are for you. Okay, I want it to be known that we are here only for you because you'll listen to this. All right, so it's for you. So the game goes on on TV and uh, the broadcast team, I thought was pretty funny because the guy that was doing play by play was he was trying his darndest to say Sherem Johns and he just couldn't do it. And, and early on in the game, because you're still trying to like find you know, you're trying to find your rhythm a little bit as a broadcaster. If nobody, you know, if you're out there and you haven't done it before, you really do have to find your rhythm in the first couple of minutes, you know, like how are you going to pronounce guys names and you know, just all of that. And there was Sherav jumps. There was Sharev jumps. There was Sharv jumps. I mean, he was just like all over the board early on. And I could tell, I was like, this guy's trying really hard to pronounce his name. But unfortunately for him, it just came out differently just about every time. Um, so I, I got a good kick out of that, Drew. I know you And do. hey, I don't begrudge any of these guys having to do it because... I don't. I don't. It's, it's hard and I understand... But man, is it funny. And it's going to be funny every time because, you, you know, we're going to play some games on USA. We're going to have some ESPN games. We're going to have some ESPN Plus games. You know, we're going to have a whole host of C-level play-by-play and color commentators trying to pr- pronounce Mike's last name. And I I tweeted it out tonight. I, it's going to make me laugh every time. And <laughs> yeah. you know what? On a night like tonight where it's all doom and gloom, sometimes you just need something to laugh at. And there you go. There, there's something you can laugh at and point to as uh, something that I minorly enjoyed about tonight's basketball game. Yeah, it, it was pretty funny. Um, and you're right. It's going to get worse as the season goes on. But to his credit, I want everybody listening to this. If you've never seen the pronunciation guide of how to say Sheriff Johns, go look it up and then try to pronounce it yourself. Because it's incredibly difficult. And I'm not even 100% sure I'm doing it right right now. I just know I'm a lot closer than the play-by-play guy at CBS Sports Network. Okay, that's all I'm saying is that I'm a little bit You just got to say it with conviction. You got to be close enough with conviction. You know, I'm just waiting for the game when uh, a play-by-play guy says F it and he just starts calling him Mongolian Mike because that's what I'm really here for. Like, I just want one guy by the second half to be like, Mongolian Mike takes it to the rim and two points Uh, for Dayton. I I think we're going to come across that uh, this year on multiple occasions, I think. (laughs) Um, Weird stat tonight uh, from Mike Sheriff Johns. Before we get to trivia, it's always Mongolian trivia here. If you don't know the show by now, we're going to do a lot of Mongolian trivia this year. But um, Drew, weird stat line for for Mongolian Mike, our pal, the freshman. He had 14 points on four of six shooting. Unfortunately, the four of six shooting was all from beyond the arc. He had four rebounds, three steals, and an assist to go along with four fouls in 26 minutes. But, Drew, that feels weird to me, right? Um, You can't tell me that his role is to be spot-up three-point shooter or even to exclusively take three-pointers. So that's a little puzzling. It's not in the game plan or anything that's really worth elaborating on, I guess, to any degree, but... Just a weird stat line, just the same. It is, yeah. You know that part of that's game flow. Uh, a lot, a couple of those threes in the first half were coming off those Duran double teams. Yeah, he takes uh, open he had, looks. They're they're usually open yeah, looks. I'll give him that. He yeah. had that. He had that really weird play where he almost turned it over, got out of the corner, fell into UNLV's bench, came back onto the court, got the ball back from the corner, just put the thing up, drained it. Uh, so that was a that was kind of a weird play. He's a dude. He, he can play. Yeah, he he can play. And the good thing about him is you can tell he, he's only going to get better as we move forward. And you know, as we discuss 
Got to work on the foul trouble stuff, but I'm sure, you know, he's a smart kid, smart ball player. He'll get better at that. He'll, uh, he'll start to be smarter on the defensive end and avoid those fouls. So, you know, plenty, plenty of excitement to look forward to with him. Um, and yeah, it is kind of a funny stat line now that you look at it. Uh, he was two of two from the line as well. Like to see him get to the rim a little more. Um, I feel like he's a pretty decent finisher around the cup. Uh, maybe get some, maybe get him and Duran in some true screen and roll, not this like motion offense where the player just comes up and kind of stands there for a quick second to get back into the motion offense. Like, no, like let's run some Mally Duran level pick and roll, get space the floor out and let's see him work. So I, I'd like to see him kind of incorporate that into the offense a little bit more. Yeah, and you got brought up a good point. You know, let's have him get to the rim a little bit more. I'm not even sure he can get to the rim. I don't know what kind of player he is getting to the rim. I don't I don't think we've seen that much of it yet besides Mike on the fast break. So it definitely leaves something to be desired moving forward is for him to expand his game. I think early on in the season, you want a freshman like Mike, like we said, He's probably playing too big of a role right now anyways, so you do kind of want to keep him focused on what that role is when he's on the floor. But um, getting back into the broadcast, most of this segment here in the middle of the show is going to be about the first half. The broadcast team did say something interesting that I am going to kind of latch on to for the rest of the season. And it was a stupid broadcaster thing, but he ended up being really on the nose for a couple different reasons. And it's when the play-by-play guy said that Dayton was the oldest young team in the country. And I completely agree with that. We, we talked about last year how, and you know, going into this year, how the, the team's youth was probably what did the men in a couple of different ways last year. And that they were going to learn from that and they weren't going to let teams sneak up on them. And I think you know tonight is not... Um, uh, contrary to that belief, UNLV didn't sneak up on Dayton. There was just a plethora of things that went wrong that led to this loss. But they are the oldest young team in the country. When you think about the fact that they have seven guys that have played in 33 games. And like I said on previous shows, Kamara's played in like 90 games now. Elvis is in 50. Blakeney's in his 50s playing games. But all of these guys are underclassmen for the most part with a couple of juniors sprinkled in and that is what kind of makes this season so intriguing is that whatever happens, most of this band is going to be staying together. Probably uh, Duran excluded from that group, but most of these guys are going to be staying together at least this year into next year. Um, not that we're like doing that after a loss or anything, but I did think it was a good point because a lot of people still want to say, Oh, these guys are young and, and they're not experience wise. They're really not. They're a very experienced team been around college basketball for his full season that's played together. And so I just thought, you know, that was really nail in the head, Drew. I really did. Yeah, I actually thought the same thing when when he mentioned that. I was like, that was a good point. And then I got onto that thought thread of, you know, what next year like would look like hypothetically. And, you know, we're going to have the, I think the big difference was that 2020 team with Obi's team, we knew a lot of them were exiting stage left after that year. We yeah. knew Obi was gone. We knew that we were going to lose Landers and Mike Sell, who were big parts of what we do. And we knew that Jalen was probably going to be the only one that was coming back and a gaggle of new and young guys. Whereas this season, if Duran does go to the draft after this year, well, you're probably only losing him. You're going to bring back this entire squad again next year. So I, I think that's a very good point. And they're only going to get better as time moves on. But obviously we're in this season. We're in the here and now. Um, but yeah, you can't say the well these guys are young thing anymore. They're not. They're not. They yeah, played and- they played more cohesive college basketball than many many teams this year. Yeah. Yeah. And um and what I was going to say was like again, tonight's not one of those where we're we're going back and saying like, "Oh, well, you know, look look, look at next year." It's like yeah, we're no. we're just kind of outlining the fact that it, it was a point well made and and that's why excitement is so high about this team. But tonight was a learning lesson. That's that's what it really was. I, but on that same point, I, I'm not sure exactly what can be learned from this lesson other than um, they can break down the game film and see here's how a team can beat us. But again, is that a lesson to be learned? Because the team beat you without Mali, without Kamara, with the beat up Duran Holmes, um, w- with Amzil playing terribly, Kobe Brea on his first game. The, the list is quite lengthy of things that went wrong. And that's kind of been the theme of this show, as you could probably tell by now. So 
uh, I hope there is a lesson to be learned from this game. I think it'll probably take the whole flight and the the night for me in the afternoon tomorrow to figure out what that lesson is. You know, maybe uh, adjusting and next man up mentality and let's try and figure out an offense when we have guys hurt. Maybe that's kind of the answer that we're talking about here. But large point is that uh, Dayton took an L that, frankly, they deserve to take. And finishing up, just because we were talking about the first half on this segment, before we go to the break here on the Rapid Reaction of Talking Out Loud, Kobe Elvis and Mike in the first half were 4 for 7 from 3-point land. And 8 for 12 overall, they had 22 of the 32 points at the half. They finished with 30 of the Flyers' 52, so quite literally carried the entire load Uh, Kobe Elvis even chipped in seven rebounds, but I will tell you something about Kobe Elvis that's become very apparent so far in this year. Kobe Elvis is not a point guard. (sighs) And it it does pay me to say He's playing it out of necessity. Exactly. And he's playing it out of necessity right now. He's playing out of position. Yeah. And and that's the thing about, like, when you talk about losing a player, especially someone like Mally, it shifts roles – for players two to 12 to something different, right. to something that they may not be the most comfortable with. You see it all the time in, in any sport really. And you know, it's all about how you can adjust to that. And when we do get Maui back and we do have more of a true point guard and as Mike grows into his game, Kobe won't have to carry that burden anymore. And exactly. he'll be a much more effective player for it because I think something that happened tonight, I think he kind of gassed himself out in that second half trying to be the point guard while yep. also simultaneously trying to be the bucket getter of the team. He's trying to do two jobs in one game and that's just not a recipe for success. Indeed, Drew on the other side of the break here where I was wrong about this Flyers team already early in the season, a little bit of Mongolian trivia. We got an update about Mali and then we will bring it all the way home because we're late uh, for this break, you're listening to Talking Out Loud Rapid Reaction, 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. Welcome back, Talking Out Loud Rapid Reaction. We are finishing up. It's Sully and Drew. Dayton just took a 60 52 loss at the Thomas and Mack Center. To the UNLV Rebels, first time ever meeting Dayton 0-1, and Anthony Grant now 0-6 on the road in the non-conference. Dayton has not won a road non-conference game since beating Alabama way back uh, in the Josh Cunningham year. I believe Archie Miller was still the coach then because Anthony Grant does not have a win. Is that is that right, Drew? Right? Archie Miller was still a coach that season. I believe that to be true. I believe that to be true. So uh, wrapping up right now, it is almost 2 a.m. If you are listening to us on the radio on Wednesday evening, we salute you. Thanks for turning your dial to 1410 a.m. If you're on the podcast feed, listen early in the morning or sometime on Wednesday, Thursday. We obviously salute you as well. Wednesday was game day or Tuesday rather was game day, but it finished up on Wednesday game tipping off at 11:10 Eastern and finishing up uh, about quarter after 1 and we're bringing you that podcast right afterwards. Talked about all the things that went wrong for Dayton in the first two segments. Second segment more focused on the first half and how well Dayton played in that half. But uh really where we have to take it home is uh is the second half and where things went wrong. But before we do, Drew, Here's your quick trivia for the night. And of course, it is Mongolian related. I'm not putting in the trivia music this week because it's just too darn late. Drew, what time did the game tip off in Mongolia tonight? Uh, So it tipped off at 1110 Eastern. I'm going to say it tipped off at noon. You are correct. Drew is really nailing this Mongolian trivia. The game tipped off at 1210 p.m., in Mongolia, that is Wednesday afternoon, right around lunchtime. So uh, hopefully a couple of guys in Uline Batar were able to cop a feed and put that one on the old tube to catch uh, their hero, Mongolian Mike. We salute you, all Mongolian fans listening out there to the Rapid Reaction Podcast here 
on Talking Out Loud. Quick update that we did get from the broadcast crew. They said they talked to the coaching staff and the SID. That's Doug Hoschild before the game. And uh, Mally Smith is close to coming back. I knew that it was uh, when we first got the news in the preseason, he was going to be 50-50 to go in thanks for the Thanksgiving tournament coming up next week. Initially thought it was going to be the first week of December. Now that's pretty up in the air. Um, so again, I, I think it kind of stayed 50-50 that he was going to get there. And and now I, I think it's it's still 50-50. So worked out today before the game started. Uh, you know, hasn't had a boot on for a little bit now. So all good things trending in the correct direction. And that's exactly what you want to hear after a night like this. Um, you know, bringing it home, Drew, we, we've talked about kind of, you know, a lot of the things that, that went wrong tonight, but not the least of which was we kind of figured out a couple of things about this team that is Malachi Smithless. Um, the number one thing is that until he comes back, however many games that may be, Duran will get all the attention, all of it, all the time. He only got five shots up tonight, one for five, finished with two points. Those were in the first half, so entirely scoreless in the second half. Turned the ball over four times, and really he was, I don't want to say a non-factor because he does alter shots a lot around the rim defensively, but UNLV effectively took him out of the game. Number two thing we learned tonight is that Tamani Kamara leads the rebounding charge and is the rebounding presence on this team. Without him, Kobe Elvis and Mustafa Amzil finished with seven each, and that's just not a sustainable game plan. The other thing we learned about this team is that there is no uh, imminent turnaround that is going to be consistent for Mustafa Amzil. A lot of what we saw from this year, I, I believe now, I think we can say safely, that's going to carry into this season. Three points, 34 minutes, just didn't do anything. Those three points were from the foul line. But the last thing that, that we learned about this team, at least this version of this team, Drew, is that they had trouble guarding stars. And uh, Gilbert and Harkless, Harkless mostly for UNLV, um, he was a star. That dude got shots yep. up, got him up early and often, and he torched Dayton for 24 points. Yep, and you know when you when you don't have Malachi Smith, not only do you not have your engine on offense, but you also lose a, a pretty darn good perimeter defender as well. That's um, exactly right, Ma Mally. You know he's always one to take that challenge and guard players like that, like Harkless. So um, that's that was just another area where not having Mally was pretty glaring. But you know you, these other guys, you got to step your game up. You know. A guy's getting buckets like this. You gotta, you gotta bring up your level of intensity to where he's at on the offensive end. And I just don't think our guards really responded very well on the de defensive end, especially in that second half. Um, we haven't really mentioned him that much because he kind of did a disappearing act tonight. But R.J. Blakeney had a bad night again tonight. Um, he did only two points of, from the field. Yep, yeah, one of five from the field. You know, had a kind of a sloppy double foul. Got a got a double technical in there as well. Kind of lost his head a little bit. Um, so, you know, you need better play from him as well, especially on the defensive end, because, you know, that's kind of where his bread's buttered. He may not give you that offensive production night in, night out, but you could, we've always been able to depend on him on the defensive end. And I kind of thought he let that slip tonight. Yeah, he did. It was uh, not his best night, but it was nobody's best night. It really wasn't. No. As it's... I said earlier, it was a collective failure from top to bottom. Yeah, and that was the theme of the, the podcast tonight. The theme of the rapid reaction is that just a lot of things went wrong. There's blame on everybody from the coaching staff down to everybody who touched the floor, especially when you have a 10-point lead, when you're playing pretty well, and even with Kamara going down, you could probably figure out a way to win the game, and that was not the case. They got torched by Harkless down the stretch, 11-0 run in the second half. Dayton, again, only scored 20 points in the entire second half, and I believe six of those were in the last two minutes, maybe 90 seconds. So what you're really talking about here is that Dayton put up about 15 points in 16 minutes of play. And if Dayton's the number 21 team in the country, if they're the 20th best team in the country, 21st best, whatever that is, it's not going to be the version that you saw take the floor in Las Vegas tonight. That is the reality that we're dealing with. And that's what we're trying to explain tonight is that if you didn't watch the game, you're scratching your head saying, 
how the hell did Dayton, you know, lose 60 to 52 against, frankly, a pretty mediocre UNLV team? This is not a team that's going to be going to the tournament. Um, they're going to be the number 21 team in the country when it all gets put together. Whether or not it all gets put together is a question on this day of our Lord. But I can promise you they're showing enough signs and enough positive momentum. They're showing enough good things on the offensive and defensive end that when they get their starting point guard, point guard back, when Kobe Elvis does not have to be relied on for point guard duties, when Mongolian Mike can settle into a role and doesn't have to play 25, 30 minutes a night. When Kamara getting hurt doesn't completely derail the entire offense. When the defense that we're playing that night doesn't entirely scheme for Deron Holmes because Malachi's out of the game. This could be the 21st best team in the country. Unfortunately, you didn't get that version of the team tonight. And that's why Dayton's a loser. That's why they're dropping to two and one heading back home for the game on Saturday. So, um, Drew, I, I mean, there's, there's plenty to add on this one. This was just, I mean, it was really frustrating. It really was. Um, the fact that we are sitting here doing a podcast at two in the morning after a loss, um, that's not something that factors into your mind. I, I want to go behind the curtain as I often do on this show, but like when me and Drew are sitting around at like eight o'clock at night tonight, being like, all right, we're going to fire out this podcast after the game. That's all kind of under the unspoken notion that the Flyers won the game. You don't ever really consider how you're going to do the podcast when they lose, do you, Drew? <laughs> no, I didn't. Especially after that first half, I was like, "Oh, like I said, man, we cleaned some things up. We're we're by good. Easy we're street. good. We we'll be this, rolling. We can fire this thing up by one a.m. Uh, clearly yeah. <laughs> not the case. Clearly I was literally thinking, like, oh, what if we're if we're up like fifteen? I'm going to start the podcast early. We'll just we'll knock it out. We'll get it done. We'll cruise, you know, and I'll be in watch. bed early. A little live watch as 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 it ends. Yeah, that would I was ready. Nice. I was. I was ready. I, I was too. But you know what? It, we lost. It sucks. But you got to move forward. I got. I'm confident that this team is going to move forward. I don't think they're going to dwell on this one too much. Just wasn't your night. This happens in college basketball. Just look at the landscape of college basketball this season. Look at all. Look at it, all the teams that have lost games they shouldn't have lost so far this year. It's everywhere in college basketball. And we're not immune to that. And I'd like to see us come out on Saturday, laser focused, sharp, ready to go, bounce back, put the beat down to Robert Morris as you should, build up some more confidence as you head into the Bahamas where you're going to face a really, really stiff test pretty much every time you step on, on the floor when you go down there. Yep. So get, get your mind right, get back, flush this one, watch the film, learn from it, forget about it after that. And just move forward, and you know from there, just just keep winning. Things will take care of themselves. Quick summary: first half good, a lot of injuries, a lot of things went wrong. First, second half, absolutely terrible. Wheels fell off, and frankly, we'll mention it in the last thirty seconds of the show. The officiating was was bad. It was con- it was consistent, but it was consistently bad. And I don't think anybody gave the. Uh, the memo to the crew out in Las Vegas that we're calling flopping now. That's a thing that we're calling. And that was an edict that came down in college basketball. But apparently word hasn't got out West yet because uh, Harkless was one of the most shameless floppers. I think we played in the last five years. That guy loved flopping. That was like his whole game. And they were one of those teams that love sticking the leg out when you go up for a three pointer and I'll finish with this. One of the dumbest things I heard tonight, and you guys know I, I love pointing this stuff out, is on the broadcast, the color guy, he was fine. You know, he was, you know, any Joe Schmo color guy. But during the broadcast, one of the dudes in the second half kicked his leg out. Very obviously, one of the Dayton guys ran into his leg because that's why you kick your leg out. And he said, well, sometimes you kick your leg out to get some stability to land on the ground. And oh my God, that is just the stupidest. If you believe that, there's no saving you. You kick your leg out to get the foul. Officiating was bad, but it's not the reason the Flyers lost the game. A lot of injuries, 24 turnovers. That'll do it. 60-52, that is the final from Las Vegas. And that'll do it for us here on Talking Out Loud. We're going to get you out of here. If you're listening to us on ESPN Radio, thank you. If you're on the podcast feed, I'll take you out with a song, as I always do. For Sully, for Sully, I'm Sully. For Drew, I'm Sully. 
and uh, there's two rules. You wear red, you be loud, and we'll it's catch you on. It's 2 a.m., folks. Yeah, well, yeah we'll catch you on Saturday, all right? Later. Coming out of my cage.